This is how we overcome the movement out here. We're done. Reaching to the world. Arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice. Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Sarah. I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. And uh, we are celebrating uh, the 50 days of Easter. We're celebrating that Christ is risen. So Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. 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 Pick an <laughs> H, no H, whatever you like. Um, we are in a series we just started last week where each of us is getting to showcase a an, an Easter hymn. Last week, uh, Sarah opened our eyes and ears to uh, the hymn called Now the Green Blade Rises, which uh, is noteworthy as a beautiful and yet minor key Easter hymn, and that makes it stand out in some ways. Uh, Erica, where are we going today? So today we're doing the major key song, the song that I have sung as the opening hymn on Easter for all of my life, as long as I can remember, Christ the Lord is risen today. Um, and part of the reason I chose this hymn is because it's a good Charles Wesley hymn. Um, of course, the Methodist has to pick something that Charles wrote because, I mean, he wrote for pretty much every season. Um, but this, like, like I said, in all my memories of all the years of Easter services, this is the song that we open with. Um, it's loud. It, it's, it's in that major key. It's vibrant. You know, if you have a talented organist or an orchestra, there's trumpets with it. It's just, it, it has like all the things that just make Easter Easter, um, including the Alleluia's. Uh, <laughs> In the, in the version in the United Methodist hymnal, you sing Alleluia 24 times in the six verses of this hymn. Um, and so it's just, for me, it, it, it gives me chills on Easter morning to be able to sing this um, because we've gone from such dark um, tunes and such kind of dirges and things like that uh, throughout the Lenten season, which I, I love too, um, but to be able to sing something so joyful um, really brings out the Easter spirit for me. So, and, and I've noticed we use two hymnals in my church and, um, with the pandemic and everything, you know, we've been trying, since we brought hymnals back in, we've been trying to just use one at a time. And I was looking between the verses and the, um, and how they're written in each hymnal and the Baptist hymnal changes things and it cuts out things. And I'm like, Nope. Okay. We're going back to the Methodist hymnal. We got to do the version of the song that I have always known. Um, it's a little long, but if you allow me, I'll, um, I won't sing it, um, but I will read you um, what it says. Christ great. the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Heaven and earth and chorus sing. Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Alleluia. Love's redeeming work is done, alleluia. Fought the fight, the battle won, alleluia. Death in vain forbids him rise, alleluia. Christ has opened paradise, alleluia. Lives again our glorious king, where, O oh, death, is now thy sting. Once he died our souls to save, where is thy victory boasting grave? So are we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise, ours across the grave, the skies. Hail the Lord of earth and heaven, praise to thee, why both be given. Thee we greet, triumphant now, hail the resurrection now. King of glory, soul of bliss, 
everlasting life is this. Thee to know thy power to prove, thus to sing and thus to love. Hallelujah. This is fascinating. Like we discovered uh, last week with um, uh, Now the Green Blade Rises having slightly different variations. Um, the version of this hymn that has appeared in the most recent Lutheran hymnal, which kind of appears in a couple of different ways. Um, but the one that is closest appeared with the text you just read has an entire other verse verse that is our verse three that goes vain the stone, the watch, the seal, Christ has burst the gates of hell. And then death in vain forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise. Like it, like the our hymnal has like taken parts and bits and pieces. And I'm gonna assume we're the ones who are rearranging Charles Wesley's words because Lutherans are totally fine with butchering Charles Wesley's words. I know Wesleyans try not to butcher Charles Wesley's words, so it must be us rearranging things. But interesting, there's that whole first half of a verse that we've got: vain the stone, this watch, the seal. Christ has burst the gates of hell, which is a it's a rough rhyme, seal and hell, but um. It, it, inter interesting that the, even even uh, a hymn like this, there's variations on. And, well, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, the, Charles wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but also in our version um, that that Steve just read from, there aren't any hallelujahs. Right. Like uh, they cut out all of like hallelujah doesn't appear even once. We have a different uh, hymn that uses that same tune that you know this uh, this text to. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a, a translation of a Latin hymn from the 14th century. So I mean, like we're getting the same place. We we have we have a hymn with the same melody. You know this one too. That's got 24 Alleluia's as well, and they are long and melodious mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's really weird. Like I stopped reading the Alleluia's partially because there's you you get the gist of it. You know yeah. where they're at. And also, it's weird to just read it. Yep. Because it's such a long hallelujah. It's not just, you know, a, you know, a three or four, you know, just quick note, you know. And so it just feels weird to me to to read this hymn and to read the hallelujah um, yeah. without trying to stretch it out in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just a reminder for any folks uh, listening who aren't up, uh, to date on their Hebrew, that the word Alleluia is just the, the Hebrew for praise the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's one of those things that like maybe we heard or remembered once upon a time, but it's worth that refresher every so often. Alleluia is not a nonsense word. It's a Hebrew phrase and it means praise the Lord or praise Yahweh. The Yah at the end being a shortened form of the name Yahweh. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's um, a word of, of praise and in particular the praise of the God who raises the dead. Um, one of the things I think I, Erica mentioned this. Oh, go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> uh, I think Erica mentioned this briefly earlier in this episode um, of a lot of denominations put the word hallelujah to rest during Lent. Mm -hmm. um, right. Like we don't we don't say it because that's not the time for praise during Lent. Like Lent is a very somber, serious season where we're preparing for Jesus's death on the cross. Um, so now that Easter has come back is when we can suddenly pull out, praise the Lord, hallelujah, um, again. So uh, a lot of Easter hymns like this one will throw it in any darn place that they possibly can because, you know, hallelujah, we're praising the Lord, like good things are happening. The other thing I noticed, and I don't know whether uh, this would have been 
Wesley's intention as a text writer, but it seems like it's at least a point of connection. That in the text that Erica read, there are repeated points like calling to nature and to other parts of the universe to join in this praise. And that mm -hmm. feels to me not only uh, reminiscent of a number of the Psalms uh, that you know, are, are praise Psalms, where it's not just, hey, you people, but all of creation, you know, the plants and the animals and the stars and all that kind of thing, but also feels very, very much like the, um, the traditional text that is read or chanted or sung at the vigil of Easter called the Exultet, um, which is one of those hymns that like calls on every part of creation all the way down to the bees who gave us the wax that make the candle out of, like the full form version of the Exultet is very detailed in every part of creation, mm -hmm. praising God for this night, this is the day that Jesus rose from death uh, into resurrection. And so that, that idea that even though you this, this hymn text isn't necessarily meant to be sung only on Holy Saturday at midnight for the Easter vigil, it's got some of that same feel of what it, what's our role in the Easter story? We don't, we don't have a role in, in bringing Jesus back from the dead by our wishful thinking or prayers or working. Our job is to sing about it, to praise, to, to stand in on witness that it's happened. And I think... I think it's something that's kind of common within Wesley hymns, mm -hmm. you know, to bring in the, you know, Hark the Herald Angels Sing is another sure. one, you know, we mentioned last week, um, you know, bringing in that universe and, and just um, the very first hymn in our hymnals um, is Oh, 4,000 Tongues to Sing. And while that doesn't quite deal with the nature aspect of it, I mean, it's just the idea of, of voices from all over the earth yeah. singing yeah. together. And, and I think that's very rather consistent with Wesley and, and yeah. just how he writes and it could very well come from the Psalms. Um, both John and Charles were very well versed sure. in scripture um, being raised by a very strict mother <laughs> sure. who taught her children um, to read the original languages of scripture. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if I go and look through other Wesley hymns to kind of see that yeah. theme yeah. running throughout them. The other thing it calls to mind, I, I, one, one, one thing I have been missing, especially during the, the year plus of COVID, um, has been the, the way that our, um, not only corporate singing has, has been affected by that, but um, part of our traditional um, language in the Liturgy of Holy Communion is a, is a point where in our prayer, there's language of, um, we're, we join our song with the song of all creation, all the heavenly hosts, mm -hmm. and the, the cherubim and the seraphim, and then we all break into singing, holy, 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 Lord God. That's that, that song from the book of Isaiah. And one of the things that has stood out to me over the years, I've been, um, you know, growing up in the church, is that idea that what we do on a Sunday morning, you know, the handful of people or, or you know, however many dozen people are there on a Sunday um, are caught up in like the eternal praise of God that's going on and that our song is joined to those people from every time and every place throughout the universe and in the new creation as well. And I, I, there's something powerful about that for, for me in this hymn text too, that we're when, when you sing this, it's not, it's not just you and whoever's there in the sanctuary in that church building, mm -hmm. with you, but that we're joined to something bigger and that the reason we can be connected to that bigger uh, congregation of people is the, the hope of resurrection. That Jesus' resurrection means resurrection for all those saints who have gone before us, too. Yeah, like I said, this is for my home church, too. I, I think, well, I guess I went home all throughout seminary for Easter. So, I mean, all my life, this has been that opening hymn. And, and so, like you were saying, you know, singing with all the creation and knowing that 
my brothers and sisters and I'd imagine most, if not every Methodist church around the world on Easter Sunday morning, at some point in their service is singing this hymn, whether it be the first hymn, the last hymn, somewhere in there, they're going to sing this. Yeah. Um, You know, and to know that we're all rejoicing in that good news and that, um, you know, all the same time or on the same day, um, you know, because once, once Easter day is over, I know, at least in, in my tradition, um, the Easter hymns kind of slowly fade away. <laughs> uh, we just don't have as many of them. It's like we have like Christmas hymns. You know, Easter's a long season with a you know not a whole lot of hymns. Um, though I might try in the next either this year or next year to bring up the the song we talked about last week and try to teach that to my folks. <laughs> Um, this, this, this raises for me another interesting point that, that your, your, your conversation is, is making me think of. And that, that's that, like, uh, what's, what's our role in this story, uh, compared with say how we treat, say the, the Christmas story. And we were talking a little bit before earlier, how like the, the, the language of a lot of Easter hymns is not, is, is that we don't, we don't exactly have a, a role in the story other than to be witnesses of this thing that has already happened that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we, it's, 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 ne- there's never a, um, oh, Christian, won't you help rise, you know, raise Jesus from the dead with your, you know, faith or something like that. It's a done deal. It doesn't depend on us. And yet there are Christmas hymns that kind of have that sentimental sort of like, you know, will you give Jesus a place to be laid, you know, and, you know, um, the, 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 you know, little drummer boy sort of, uh, what do I need to give something to Jesus, you know, to welcome him into the world? Well, you know, that there's nothing wrong exactly with that, but that kind of puts the emphasis on the wrong syllable as far as I'm concerned. It's, like it's, it's about now we've made it about me instead of this is, you know, God's act. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the East, I think, I think the best Easter hymns, do that that this is this is the resurrection happens with or without my permission with or without my power or effort and to me that also echoes how the story plays out in the gospels too that unlike say a birth that you can see coming nine months uh you know leading up to it a resurrection you know catches everybody by surprise the women come to the tomb expecting to find a dead jesus and they find no jesus's um and because of that that idea it's already happened it's a surprise um, I like that the hymn text that can sort of capture that and say mm-hmm. it's already happened and our job is to sing about it or to share the good news, but we don't make it happen. Yeah, you know, I was doing some reading about this hymn a little bit. There's not like a story behind this one like there is maybe for some other ones of Wesley's, but the idea, and, and this might sound like semantics to some, but the fact that the hymn write that he wrote, Christ the Lord is risen today, yeah. not has risen, not, you know, it's that constant, like, this is something, well, it happened in the past. It's something that keeps happening in the life of the Christian. Um, it, and I think that's something that, you know, again, that's part of the, the liturgy for communion. Like you were talking about earlier, Steve, um, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Yeah. Christ will come again. It's a present reality. While it happened 2000 years ago, that doesn't mean it's not still in many ways continuing to occur right and and i like that focus on the the resurrection could be present tense without us having to invent a theology of he has to keep dying like i know there was a there was a medieval theology of every time we celebrate the mass 
we're re-sacrificing Christ on the altar because we keep sinning. And so we need to have communion so that we can keep re-sacrificing Jesus for our ongoing sins. Um, and the Lutheran in me is grateful that I come from a tradition of like, nope, nope, that's not how it works. Nope, one, one time, once for all. And that you even get that in, um, I think some of the, the best Easter hymn texts, like even in, in this one, I don't, I, I don't know again exactly how it lines up with your phrasing, but I've got a verse, love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle won. Mm-hmm. Um, and that idea of that the the whatever needed to happen at the cross that's that's accomplished and isn't an open question is it going to get undone or could a new enemy arise or something like that no that's dealt with so that is accomplished the resurrection piece is this present and ongoing reality but mm-hmm. whatever the cross is about is is a, a fate accompli so they say as they say um I, I'm also noticing a lot of the imagery, not just in this hymn, but it calls to mind other Easter hymn texts like the strife is o'er the battle done. Um, uh, the the imagery of it's it's that sort of Christus Victor talk about uh, mm-hmm. the atonement. Like, the, and we've, we, we like I said, we talked before in previous series that there are different ways the biblical writers and Christian theology talks about what happens at the cross. And while sometimes biblical writers talk about the death of Jesus like it's paying a debt or something like that, um, in resurrection terms, uh, that, that kind of substitutionary atonement language doesn't exactly have a reason for why we need a resurrection. If the debt's been paid, Jesus doesn't exactly have to. That, that's like a, a, a point in which substitutionary atonement theology sometimes need to ask what what's easter about then um but this this hymn text is is rooted in that christus victor language of this is about christ's victory over the powers of sin of death of whatever and mm-hmm. then there's a reason for why we need the resurrection this is the victory um and it's it's worth noting that the 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 hymn writer is comfortable putting all these sort of side by side and that yep we could sing a hymn where we talk about jesus paying a debt but here, this is about Jesus. This is Jesus' victory over the powers of evil. Are there other things that you want to call our attention to or things we need to say about this hymn? There is this one line, and this is something I I forget when this fairly first struck me. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was in the hymn. I think it was through scripture or maybe for, through some other song. Um, but I, I love the way Wesley can quote scripture throughout his hymns. Yeah. But where, O death, is now thy sting? Um, and is is the grave in here too yeah where's i victory boasting grave you know like i think any every year when i get to that line in particular like it just it strikes me I, i don't know what it is about that particular line of this hymn um i remember i think probably like middle school high school like i don't know something about that really struck me um and it, I mean, I didn't experience like the first real close death in my personal family until I was in college. Um, but I've, you know, being a pastor and just in, in personal people, you know, personal relationships and people I've known that have died. Anytime I see those lines in a hymn or in a contemporary song, like it just, again, it, it brings up that hope and that power of Easter to know that death is not the end of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like, as you call attention, that it's both an echo of a scriptural passage. I mean, that, that Paul goes there in, in 1 Corinthians, but um, that there's in, in that original passage as well, there's sort of this taunting of 
of of death, like a personification of death. Like, you know, where's your power now, death? And it's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been bullied by somebody for a long, long time to be able to finally, you know, see them get their comeuppance, there's a sort of sense of justice, of vindication. And that it's almost like death is the is really the 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 big bully, you know, it's or it's like Paul will say in First Corinthians, death, the last enemy to be destroyed is mm-hmm. death. So like it's it's that personification of that the enemy isn't some other person or the enemy isn't um uh, you know, the, some enemy nation, it's death itself is really the enemy. And it's, it's saying death, you don't get the last word that, 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 that is really powerful. Um, so, so there's good reason for why this is that well-loved hymn in so many places. It, it's, it's joyful when we need joy after a long time. And after the year that has been COVID so far, I know uh, I'm especially grateful that these words are in existence um, in what uh-huh. felt like the Lent that never ended. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for your uh, helping us explore the, the text that maybe a lot of us have heard, but have not paid a lot of attention to the details. So thanks, Erica. You're welcome. Well, uh, we're going to follow up with another hymn conversation in our next episode. So thanks for joining us here on Crazy Faith Talk. Yeah. Bye.